Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. I'm Derek. I'm Jennifer. But do you remember the time that I was like, Kate... Nope, not my name. Um, <laughs> do you remember? I that? do remember that. I wasn't. Here. That was like three times ago. That's terrible. That was like Why is that terrible. Did you just have like a trigger trauma response? Yeah, I, of like, hey, remember I did. this? I don't did. say Kate. Don't say Kate. Yeah, don't say Kate. It was like, everyone's I'm Derek. Oh, no, darn it. Don't I, don't I, don't 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 Jennifer. Jennifer. Say Jennifer. 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 Yes. All right, I'm, I'm full confession. I'm really tired today. I, so I got in. I got to the church at 4 a.m. to finish my message for Sermon Read-Through. I started it. Well, I've been studying all week, but then started writing yesterday, and then I hit. A, you ever hit that wall mm-hmm. where you're like, you just you hit a point where you're literally your brain's like, you get to do no no more, no more, no mas. That's that's where I was at yesterday, but I actually woke up at like three thirty, and so I got here at four, and then I also went to the gym, and then we had some read through, and I, so I'm just a little tired. So if I if I don't sound my normal, maybe loopy. I'm a little yeah, maybe might be a little. <laughs> All right, so we are uh, we're in uh, our awakening series. What got you here won't get you there. And this morning, we actually we're going to talk about this Sunday is generosity, kingdom generosity. And so, okay, so I want to start off uh, when you think of uh, what a generous person does or looks like. What comes to mind for you when you think of generosity? Mm. What kind of person comes to mind? I wonder if she would be upset with me for like full on using her name, but I'm going to because I just tell her every chance I can. Amanda Farmer has this Holy Spirit power generosity about her. And I think that, you know, part of that is a vulnerability when you're generous because people will take advantage of it. And I know that that probably has happened to Amanda several times off and on throughout her ministerial career or whatever. And just being a person, I think she's probably always had a affinity for generosity <clears throat> but she keeps going yeah. like she doesn't stop being generous gift. it doesn't cha- it doesn't change yeah. anything about her she doesn't build this resistance she doesn't let it harden her heart and she's just so unbelievably generous in a way that I wouldn't even think to be generous that way sometimes yeah. I'll tell her that so I think of Amanda and it's not just with money like she does yeah. it with time and a yeah. lot of yes. stuff she's getting all kinds of props here today mm-hmm. she's she's on staff with us she's a great example for it director I think Darren and Culver's and yeah, in, general, in general, they're, they're Amen. Thank they're you, Culver's, for the multiple. <laughs> and Bob Goff. I just say, got it in for you. There you go. You. There you go. Uh, but mine would be, it's actually along that same note, and I do have permission to talk about it because uh, I'm going to be bringing him to Z Youth if he doesn't keep getting Woo! skipping out on me. He got he got sick. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Ron Loudenberg. That's who I was going to say. Uh, you totally stole my name. Yeah, and so we have, we've had long, long, long conversations about, and it actually goes along with what you're just saying. How oftentimes he will he will give in order to help set somebody up, and then a day or two later he'll just get burnt. And it's that idea of like, how do you keep giving even when you know that you're probably going to get burnt by it? And 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 you know he just talks about like that's not why I do it, and you know, and it's just. And it's just a heart that I I don't think everyone has, and it's a hard thing. To, and I don't even know I don't even know if he knows why he does it, but yeah. somehow he he keeps doing it. And so, uh, yeah. So I just that would be mine. I think he just it, somebody that would have a heart 
that even though they know it's going, it could end poorly, that that's not why they give. Yeah. yeah. So that would be mine. Uh, are we looking for specific people nope, here? Nope. I just happen to think nope. of one. Yeah, me yeah. too. You could have been more nebulous sorry. in general. Well, I just I'm feel sorry. like... Okay, I'm sorry. Just, the, <laughs> just the, the regular pouring out of your life. Like the regular seeing a, seeing a need, having that compassion, being moved and doing it. Like, and not to the point about Ron Lauterberg of like not stopping when you get burnt. Not, mm-hmm. you know, like... I don't know, just doing it from a place of true, truly where you're like, no, I know why I'm doing this. I'm doing this to glorify God. Like, he gets glorified whether this is a scam or not. Like, he gets glorified. Yeah. You know, my heart posture is what glorifies him. He's, yeah. he's generous. He's, uh, he's generous with mercy. Yeah. And yeah. grace, not just with his resources. He's generous from a heart perspective. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was talking to you about this the other day, but uh, I went down to the, the LCMC had a, that's the denomination we're affiliated with. Uh, they had a, a, a meeting where the, one of the board of the national board came and spoke. And she talked about this phrase that it has just stuck with me. And I see it everywhere now that when, when we read scripture, we like to add in this phrase. Yeah, but... Yeah. And so, like, uh, a good one is... Uh, it's all your possessions. It's all your possessions or, like, you know, give to... I don't, it's in Luke, but it's, like, give to... any. Like, if a poor person asks you for money, give to them. Like, it's like Luke 14. And it's, like, lo- it's very loose. It, there's no... It's not a lot of restrictions just to it. give them this, give them this as well. And I <clears> think... And it's, it's that mentality of we like to say, yeah, but yeah. they're probably going to use it on drugs. You or, guys. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I don't have a lot of money this month. I don't, or, I don't or yeah, or, yeah but, but that seems really extreme. That's probably yeah, not what Jesus or, wants. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Yeah, we like to view, we like to, we like to view it through our interpretation of what we think the scripture means versus what did Jesus actually yeah. say? And so when I look at, I look at generosity, I think it's very easy to have that yeah, but mentality. Yeah. So here's right. one that I was, and I didn't, I don't, I may talk about it on Sunday if it comes up, but. Um, I think generosity comes from a place when it actually costs you something, when there's a sacrifice to it. So like, uh, what's her I name? I agree with that. Uh, Jeff Bezos' wife, they get divorced and she's giving away 90% of her income. And you're like, oh my gosh, she's so generous. She's worth like $600 billion and she's giving 500 of away. That's awesome. But I'm sorry, if you can't live on $100 billion, and now again, I realize that is in the, in the grand scheme of worldliness, that is a, that it's a generous person, Right. But is it really a sacrifice? Is it costing her something at that point? And I think that's the difference between generosity and philanthropy. We were just talking last night. It's so funny that you're bringing up Yabbits and you're talking about the cost. Because last night in Z-Kids, our final wrapping up of Jesus' ministry going into Easter, we talked about, well, the story, the main story was the prodigal son, the lost son. But it's a collection of the three stories of the the sheep, the woman with the coin, and the lost son. And we're talking, and it goes right into the next section where it starts talking about, um, or it's right after Jesus is talking to people about the cost of being a disciple Mm -hmm. and assessing the cost. And he's talking about this king that goes to the war room and strategizes before he takes his 10,000 to the 20,000, right? And then Jesus says, in the same way, you can't be a disciple unless you're willing to lose everything, you know, take up my cross and bear it. And we were talking, Jaden and I, yesterday, and he was like, I don't get it. Wasn't the, wasn't the king being wise when he decided not to go to war? 
And I said, yeah, he was being wise. He wasn't saying that the king couldn't be the disciple. You have to understand the cost. He wasn't willing to sacrifice the 10,000 because he might lose. You have to be willing to hate your wife, he says. Yeah. You have to be willing to take up your cross and bear it to die, the cost of loving Jesus. Yeah. And we were talking about it. And we say the yabbits. And I tell the kids, yabbits are for rabbits. That's literally the phrase we use. Yabbits are for yabbits rabbits. Are for rabbits. <laughs> and so it's just crazy how this all connects. Just a whole spirit moment. I'm yabbits. Yeah. And I think like with the... Uh, <laughs> With like, my Elmer with like the rich young ruler yeah. when it talks about get, like, sell all your possessions like I know if I had that conversation with, with Jesus it would not be money it would not be possessions yeah. it would be something else he, like, he'd point out what is, you need to give up yeah that yeah. is not like yeah like my heart <laughs> exactly my heart is not like my possessions okay you can have my pineapple lamp I got at a garage sale take it yeah. you know that one's not hard mine would be something I, I don't know mine wouldn't be money based at all mine would be something absolutely much different. I'd so. probably be my son or my job or whatever. Pick a thing that you're going to put as an up. It's like that idolatry that it's preventing yeah. you from. I mean, I regular regularly think about that in, with our Christian brothers and sisters in the Middle East, yeah, or China, where it's like, or, no, when yeah. the, the when Jesus says your dad will hate you, yeah, like that's a real thing. Yeah, there is a real cost there to follow Christ because they will be excluded and hated from their family. And I, so for me, that cost, when you're talking about the rich man earlier, like that's me too. Am I yeah. willing to follow Jesus so much that I no longer, like my- I could lose everything. I could lose everything. My children, yeah. my husband, like is that who, you know? And I need yeah. to be willing to lose everything. Yeah, well, you have to be willing. Not, not that he's going to take it. Not that you will, but, but you that you're willing. Be, your well, loyalties to God come before your loyalties to anything else. That's the problem within Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about the cheap grace, mm. that we have a, a discipleship that doesn't cost us anything. You know, I just have to say a prayer and do a few things, and now I'm a disciple. And if that's not the disciple Jesus taught. Yeah. Yeah. And and here's, the, I think, the part with generosity is that um, I think when we look at when we look at people and we think about what generosity looks like within a people, disciples' lives are supposed to be marked by generosity. But the truth is, is that the first place generosity has to begin is, is with us generously surrendering our life to Christ. And I would say, gen, gen, uh, help me with that word. Generosity. Lee. <laughs> Generously. Gen thank you. That's sort of Genetics. I couldn't Genealogy. say it. Genealogy. <laughs> you guys, it's not coming out of my mouth. Anyway, with our worship, too. Yeah. Not, just with our, worship. not just with our surrender, but yeah. like yeah. Of a, a life. You know, that kind of talks about what you talked last last week, last week's sermon. Yeah. Well, yeah. and, it's, and I think that's the, the first part is no wonder you have a hard time being generous with the Lord because you haven't actually surrendered your life. Yeah, we talked. Yeah. And, and that's that's tough. And, and I think this goes back to the rich young ruler is, you know, when he offers the question, going back to your point as well, Kate, is um, when he talks about counting the cost, Jesus makes it abundantly clear. If you're not willing to take up that cross, yeah. then don't follow me. Right. right. Yep. Don't say, because that's the risk. When was the last time you ever heard a sermon that said, I'm going to give you five reasons not to follow Jesus? Right. Like instead, we try, Jesus was. <laughs> instead, what we try to do is we, we do these things. And, and uh, interesting is that after, I think it's after he feeds the 4,000, because he, he actually feeds multiple times. He has one of 5,000 and 4,000. I think it's in the gospel. Yeah, it's John. Where um, he then goes and said, now I'm the bread of life. I just I just made yeah. bread and fish and all that. I'm the bread of life and you must eat of my body 
and drink of my flesh or, yeah. or drink of my blood. And people are like, uh. He's not out there making friends. Like, he's saying radical, radical things here. Thing. But what's, int- what's, what's interesting about this is he didn't start off with that. And, yeah. and I think that's the thing with discipleship is if we start off with the, you got to give it all right now to Jesus. Yeah, of course people aren't. He waited. This was towards the end of his ministry that he actually started saying hard things like that. Yeah. And I remember because my my natural position, I actually like challenges. I like to give challenges. And I remember I was at my last church and one of my people lovingly came to me and said, Jason, every week just feels like you're kicking my butt. And it gets tiring. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. Like Jesus understood there's a reason why he did miracles first and why he taught with authority. And then he started bringing the challenges. It goes back to the invitation challenge of discipleship is he understood if you don't have the invitation, the challenge is going to feel too costly until you understand the relational worth behind it. And, and I think there's value in too often we just want to stay in the invitation mode of just follow Jesus. He'll do things for you. Mm-hmm. And we never get to the, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> uh, Jesus wants everything. And then when we talk about generosity and, and I want Jesus, to make it. Jesus deserves everything. He deserves yeah. everything. And, and, and in the midst of that deserving, he does it because the blessing, even though we may not see it the way we think we should, will ultimately far outweigh anything that yes. we think we're going to get right. on our yes. own. That, it, it, that is his best for us. Yes. Yeah. And I, what's hard for me, and I, I think about that when you're talking about people in China or in Russia or Africa, we are so blessed. Absolutely. In that I, I don't think I've ever had to worry about, am I going to have a meal to eat? Yep. I don't think I've ever worried about, am my kids going to get cholera? And yet you go to these places and, man, they worship and they surrender, and I think they understand discipleship on a generosity. Because so we went to Africa in uh, 2014, I think it was, and uh, I went with my church, and we go into the small village that they sacrificed their one goat for us. We're coming That's into this generosity. village. Their only goat. It was the only goat they had. We're we're coming in, and I see them, and they're skinning, and and I was told be careful not to eat meat in places like that, especially if you have a sensitive stomach, which I do. But I'm like, how rude of me not to partake in this to some degree. I mean, that's like a biblical kind of generosity of the, the widow with the two uh-huh. That's right. About that. about and that's right. the, yeah, which, which one, what's the weight of it? What does yeah. it really value? So, okay, so now we talked about generosity. Let's, when, when the opposite of that, and we get onto it a little bit on Sunday, is that scarcity mindset. Yeah. And too often when I've heard the story of the parable or the, the story of the uh, loaves and fish, I, I didn't say fishes. <laughs> I got corrected on that during sermon read through loaves and fish. Is that immediately we go into scarcity mindset. But I don't think the disciples are unrealistic to go, Jesus, there's thousands of people here. How are we? That's not an unreasonable lack of faith question. That's a practical, tangible. And as I was as I was writing this, I'm like, man. If I if, if if I wasn't a believer and I heard this, I'd be kind of like, that's not a scarcity mindset. That's just a, you can't drive realistic. a car with no gas. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that's just a realistic, hey, I want you to drive from here to Minnesota. You have a gallon of gas. That's not a faith issue. That's a practical, realistic issue. Yeah. But let's talk about scarcity because here's the other side. Scarcity mindset is... Even if you have enough, you don't believe you have enough. Yeah. That's what scarcity is. The thing about scarcity, too, when you start to step into that mindset, it really does uh, trigger that lizard part of your brain. We talk about that a lot, <clears throat> that, that survival yeah. instinct. 
where you now start going into survival mode, which often is out of a trauma response. Yeah. So you're tapping into like some seriously um, not well thought out uh, decision making process. You're reactive. You're reactive yeah. because of that instinct to protect yourself. There's not enough. I need to survive. How do I do that? Well, and so, I mean, we can be scarce with a lot of things. And so this, uh, just as we're talking, I'm thinking about this. When somebody says, well, I don't have enough time. And yet I know people, we all have the same amount of time in the day, right? It's that 24 hours. Usually when people tell me they don't have enough time, and then they'll immediately talk about the things they did over the weekend. Yeah. And and the trips they're taking. And I'm like, no, you have time. You've allocated what you want your time to go to. And I think scarcity, a scarcity mindset isn't just about money, though I often see that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I mean, if you want to talk statistically, and I think I brought this up a few weeks ago, as Americans, we are richer. Even our poorest Americans are richer than most of humanity has been throughout history. Yeah. Historically. We're talking about, like, the underwear. Like, if you have more than one pair of underwear, you guys... If you have underwear at all in some places, like, yeah. you're doing pretty darn good. Um, but a pack of boxers do cost $32 now, so... Yeah, cost of living. It is. That's it, that's real. But but I mean, if you think about that for a moment, though, I don't like wear boxers. think about okay. So I'll, good thing you don't know who wear boxers. That's I had good. to clarify. Thank you. Well, I mean, hey, it's what, not like you know, it's coming from experience. We just, I'm glad you you clarified. Wow, we just took a turn. Thank that's you, Derek. Funny. I didn't do that. We need laughter. We this did. is a fun podcast. I'm, it is a fun podcast. I'm tired, man. Normally, I'm the one who's cracking jokes all the time. But okay, so when you think about scarcity mindset, and I'll I'll be vulnerable uh, on my side, and if you want to share, you can. I know one of the scarcities for me, and it's something I'm realizing more and more, is emotional scarcity. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I've gotten older and as I've done more self-work, I've realized that um, I actually sometimes fall into the trap of I need to guard my emotional energy because I just don't have enough to go around. And so, I, and this is this is a new thing, and maybe it's always been there, but I've become more cognizant of it in recent years. And so there are times where I'll, I'll purposely disengage with something because I just don't want to, I'm just afraid of depletion. Mm-hmm. And in Enneagram talk, that sounds like a five, but that's not where but I'm mostly yeah. there. But it's it's one of the things that for me, like there are times that I know God's calling me to show love and compassion. I'm like, I just don't have the energy to do that. And, or if I do that, it's going to require more from me. And the Lord has been really kind of pushing on me a little bit about that saying, okay, and and it goes back to that my limitations doesn't change God's expectations. Just because I don't have it doesn't mean God it gives me an excuse not to. Not to get like adding more of the psychology stuff in there, but there is that the spoon theory. That's a lot of what you're talking about, Rihanna, that scarcity where it takes, like say everybody wakes up with 10 <clears throat> spoons every morning. Some people it takes five spoons to get out of bed. Yeah. Some people it takes nine spoons to get to work and when that one spoon that last one gets used it's like no i look at this situation this person that needs me this emotional thing and i think that's going to take at least five spoons and i've got only two left i can't do that right now and there's a healthy way to do that with boundaries but there's also relying and trusting that the holy spirit will give you spoons yeah i also i mean i hear what you're saying about the disciples and it being a practical thing like we got five loaves and two fish but there is a faith component because they also have the God of the universe sitting right yep. next to them. And so, like, that's the thing is our eye, we have to tune our eyes to be looking for yeah. the divine. We have to tune our eyes to look for not just what it looks like 
in front of me, but who's with me on this? And then I, I think my, my point in there was that it's not unreasonable that they make oh, it. Oh, no, like, I totally agree. I totally agree. Because that's, I mean, first of all, like, this is the beauty of it. They yeah. had Jesus in front of them. They saw they do that. And this is where the encounter versus experience Everything that they'd seen Jesus do at that point, you never hear the disciples raising the dead or healing the yeah. sick. It was always Jesus. And yet here's Jesus telling them it's to go do turn. it. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, I could picture if they were like, well, Jesus, you can do that. I almost wonder if, if they had, if they could have, if they could have turned around and say, well, Jesus, you're God, you do it. If they probably would have done that, I don't know. But I don't think they would have been as shocked. It was the minute that all of a sudden, no, I want you to do that. And obviously it was still Jesus performing the miracle, but they had to be a part of it. Like, I, it's okay. So when I've been this series in particular, probably more than other ones as I've been studying and reading, there are things that I feel like the Lord is showing me about my own life in there where all of a sudden I'm like, Oh yeah, I do that. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those where there are things that I'm like, Oh God, I know you can do that, but I'm not you. So don't ask me to. And I feel like the Lord has been really going and yeah. <laughs> if I asked you to do it, have faith to do it. Well, I have faith you can do it. And the Lord's like, yeah, but I'm going to work through you. You're going to be that vessel of opportunity. And man, I, I feel like as, as I was as I was preaching this and as I was writing it and working through it, man, that was the Lord just bringing some conviction on me. You so, said, oh, sorry. Well, go ahead. Dear. So my scarcity would probably be in the in the area of like knowledge or authority. Like I'm thinking, you said one of the Bible tips this week. You talked about uh, putting yourself into into the scripture. Uh, I'm thinking about during the fall, like there's scarcity of like knowledge where they're like, I want to, I want to be God. I want to know, is God holding out on me? I think the video at the beginning that we played showed like it, it talked about that of like, you know, I know that if I was in that story, I would need the snake. I would have ran at that apple or that fruit, and I would have taken a bite out of it. I just know. Like, I know I would have. You didn't like, need the temptation. I didn't need the the the, well, the, the idea snake. Of the, good, the knowledge of good. Yeah, and like it was a good like God. Why wouldn't you want me to know? Like I would not have even. What do you, what do you I, hold back, God? Yeah, I wouldn't even have seen the like. No, He's doing it out out of love for me that He doesn't want me to know that. I would have viewed it as like, why wouldn't you want me to know yeah. that? And I I would have. I just so I, I know I can, I don't ever blame Adam and Eve for humanity's I fall. Like, I take full responsibility for it. <laughs> yeah, the scarcity that I I'm noticed like just as we were sitting here talking and thinking, and Derek shared his, <clears throat> and you shared yours, Jason. I think mine is like with my suffering, but this doesn't really make sense. So like, hear me out. It's I feel like I have this fear that I operate with my faith, where I feel like I've suffered enough in my life that anything that I can do to control and prevent further suffering, I'm going to take that into my own hands. Oh yeah. And so there was this, I'm not going to share the specifics because there, I don't know if there's any been like resolution or anything, but there was this specific instance two weeks in a row where something that would normally cause suffering for me or like make me be angry or like want to say something, want to do something, not take control of it myself. Right. I didn't say anything. And I said, okay, God, okay, I trust the other people that are around me to handle this. Is it like a scarcity of control? Yeah, scarcity of control. And then I kid you guys not, the people that saw it happen the second time were more mad than I was. They were like, what is happening? And they took, they, they, they were already 
moving in in place to take care of it. And it was like, wow, I'm so glad I didn't lose my cool. I was like, yeah, Jesus, thank you. <laughs> like, isn't it crazy how incredible it was when I finally surrendered yeah. that control that I felt like was a scarcity. Like, oh, I've, I, I'm, yeah. things feel out of control. I have to take it. And you got to experience and it wasn't until blessing. I lost, yeah. yeah, you got to experience the so blessing. So that's, that's just like the most relevant example <clears throat> I have. You're looking at me. If you have one, if you don't have one, it's okay. Um, I mean, my better have one. Mine's kind of similar. Okay, I've been like trying to figure out how to phrase it exactly, but um, and Derek and I had this conversation recently, and um, and now it kind of goes on to what you're saying too. But like boundaries, I think that's a really great question. Where and I'm I'm not I'm not making a, a position. <laughs> uh, I'm not making a statement a, a position of boundaries. I think they're healthy. But one thing I feel like the Lord's been leaning into my life is like. Specifically, looking at Judas and Jude, Judas and Jesus. Well, what, what do we see Jesus do? We see him come come do what you came here to do for a friend. He calls him friend. He kisses him on the, lets him kiss him on the cheek. He has supper with him. That's close proximity. Mm-hmm. And what I felt like the Lord had, was revealing in some areas was like, so what if you get hurt again? You are, I am the God of the universe. If you believe that I can truly heal you and truly redeem and truly do all these things that you proclaim that I can do, then you are safe to enter into that situation. Now, I'm not making a statement of like physical safety or, you know, anything like that. I'm just saying I have a scarcity of walls. Yeah. Yeah. Overprotecting. Yes. Yeah. And so this was an area where it was like, no, you don't need walls right now. Like. Yeah. Well, so it goes back to like, there's certain languages that are really big words in Christianity. And so we use mm. boundaries, margin, uh, balance. You need balance in your life. You need margin in your life. You need bar- uh, uh, boundaries. And the problem is, is when we're the one who defines those, we tend to overprotect. Yeah. And and whereas Jesus, I actually think boundaries are very biblical. Paul had them. Jesus had them. But I think we now leverage boundaries as a way of getting out of things that God has called us to. Yes. I think it's yeah, very, but... very important. <laughs> I think it's very, very important to state that boundaries are in place not to harm someone, but to protect something. Yes. Yes. That's and, a very clear distinction. And that's why I wanted to make sure that even in this message that Jesus seems to be ignoring a boundary. Like I, I, I was picture, I was putting myself in the <laughs> shoes of them. Like Jesus is... He's just found out that his cousin's been yeah. murdered. Yeah. And, and violently murdered by a, a madman. Yeah. Um, and he's like, one, we don't know if he's if he's leaving because he's mourning. It doesn't tell us, but if he is, that's reasonable. Sure. Jesus mourned. That's a human emotion. We see but it. Jesus they, wept. Yeah. Or John it could also be that he was leaving because he's like, oh, wow. If John could be killed at my next, then that's not my time. I don't think Jesus was afraid in the sense of human fear. I think he was going, no, my mission's not complete. So it, that's some of the scholars said. Those are the two reasons why Jesus probably left. And what did the people do? The people were like, hey, Jesus is leaving. We follow should him. follow him. And it's like. Like paparazzi is what I picture. Like, yeah. Rubble, rubble, rubble. But, They're like following him. But here's, what, but here's what kind of struck me as I was thinking through that. And this goes back to the when the disciples said, you know, we've done a whole day's work. Let them go and, and get themselves food. And it wasn't until I put myself in the story, which is what made me think about that. There's an assumption that they had money to have food. Like, again, these were poor people. They didn't work that day because they were with Jesus. I wonder if Jesus saw the sacrifice that they were making out of desperation. They were that desperate for healing that they were willing to lose work, possibly food, 
Their and, livelihood. Yes, and that's where Jesus looks at them and it says he has compassion on like sheep without a shepherd. And I, it gave me an entirely different perspective. Yes, I think they were ignoring boundaries, but it shows how desperate they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jesus pulled from the well of his divinity Amen. so that instead of being bitter or like, dude, just give me some space. Can I just have five minutes? Right. Instead of that, he looks at them and he goes, it's not about me right now. Imagine if we could do that, which we can, we're told with the Holy Spirit dwelling in within us. We can do that same thing. And and yet you now have to be a, a listening to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, this is a shocker. Sometimes the Spirit says, I don't care about your boundaries. Yeah. <gasps> and and I think, you know, I, I watch people and I see this all the time. And I've seen it in myself and I see it in the church. Is all these opportunities where God says, I want you to step out in faith. And I put a boundary. So I, I can't pay that bill if I do that. Do you trust me? Well, yeah, but I can't, I've been burned before. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and yet there's also the other side yes. where sometimes we are called to be wise in our Absolutely. relationships. And, yeah. and so I think that's where maturity and knowing the spirit comes in. But it gave me, as I was thinking through that, I'm like, man, Jesus was not just driven by compassion because they followed him. I wonder if Jesus looked at them and went, man, they're this desperate. They're giving up food. I can and so, this need. Yeah, and, and that's what compassion is. It's an empathy. Yeah. I think Jesus saw them in a way that the disciples could not because the disciples are acting out of flesh and selfishness and saying, it's we're tired, speed. you're tired, send them away to go buy food. And Jesus is going, no, you do it. We can feed all these people. We can feed these people. And now, again, Jesus is God. He has direct access. And, and I think that's the one challenge is if the we're Lord not. said, Jason, you know, take 100 bucks and go feed 100 people. Could he do it? Yes. Practically, will he do it? Well, I better really hear from the Lord that that's the case with Jesus could. But oh, I wonder if sometimes the reason why our well, we're drinking from the wrong well or, or we're, we're pulling from our humanity is not just a lack of resource, but it's also, well, maybe it is still a lack of resource. The resource is faith. The resource is that the relational equity we have with the Lord where we've been around Jesus enough. And that's why I think your point, the disciples didn't really have an excuse because they watched Jesus do all this, but it was when Jesus turned it back on them because Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'll do this. He tells them to. Yeah. Now all of a sudden I'm like, well, that's a lot more real. Like it's okay, Jesus, I know you can provide for my neighbor. Don't ask me to because I, I, don't, I don't have it. So, okay, let me ask a question. When you think about um, this idea of generosity within the church, what do you think scares people about being generous in the ch- in the church. Let's talk about it as a church, and let's realize that generosity is sacrificial, and that generosity is sometimes money, but it's, it's time, it's relationship, it's mercy, all those things. What do you think scares people about being generous? I think that you're really playing on my empathy here, because I think I have the opposite problem, where I when I first started coming to church and hit the ground running, that I wasn't a very good steward of my own resources. And I gave and I gave and I gave, and I yeah. thought it was generosity. That's not generosity. Yeah. That's trying to earn it. Yeah. God's love, people's favor, that's self-serving. That's not ge- Generosity is not self-serving. And so I think that that was my issue with generosity is I thought that the good things I was doing see, look how generous I am. It was like that that two idea Enneagram talk, you know, not to keep playing on it, but it's like the Enneagram's sin of choice or whatever is pride for the two. And it's like, oh, 
I would never do that. I'm so humble. Like that's where I think of like yeah. generosity is like, oh, look at how much I serve and I do stuff because I'm so generous. That's not generosity. So it's a false generosity. Yeah, it's not a generosity struggle. born out of an overflow of the spirit. It's a generosity of look yeah. at how look at how philo- that's philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard yeah. for me to see why people don't give. Like, why doesn't everyone have this issue? Why am I the only weirdo that's really willing to be the tree, the giving tree? Yeah. Why am I the only weirdo doing that? But that's obviously not true. There are the people struggling. I don't know if this is a fear, but it's. I definitely think there is a component of it where it's like we have a a, a pay it for, like not even a pay it for, but like a tit for tat kind of thing where it's like, well, I'll be generous oh, yeah. here so that I can receive a generosity yeah. here. Yeah. And it's like, Again, is that what the counting the cost of being a disciple of Christ yeah. is? Like, if you if you pour out your life in generosity as a way to glorify God and to bring His kingdom here on earth, and you don't receive an ounce of that back, yeah, material like in the yeah. way that you think, you are going to sometimes receive. it's recognition. Are, yes, like I'll be generous if you put my name above the door. Yes, yeah. Yeah. like and, and I do believe God will show up on. Like I do think that's I I do think God is going to be faithful with that. But whether you see it here on earth or not, I think is a different story. And that's uh, so when we get into Jesus talking about don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, Mm -hmm. often our generosity is a conditional generosity, which means it's no longer generous. It's a different form of payment or earning. And I I wonder if, and okay, this whole sermon was not about tithing and giving, but I wonder if part of the reason why some people struggle with tithing, giving that 10% to the Lord, is one, they don't see a direct recognition. And, but also there's a control element to it. And generosity, a true generosity doesn't have control to it. True generosity is I'm giving this to you and whatever you do with it, that's I, otherwise I'm not being generous, I'm being controlling. I'm lending you the money. I'm mm-hmm. doing that. But true generosity is I'm going to do this. So like the it's loaves so and fishes, how many of those people who got the fish were ungrateful <laughs> because it wasn't the right kind of fish? That was snapper. I don't like snapper. I'd really like sea bass, yeah. Lord. Like, and, and I wonder how many people, the reason why they struggle with tithing is one, that fear of scarcity, I don't have enough money. But also, I know people, well, if I give that, how's the church going to use that? Yeah. Or I need to control where it goes. And I think that goes to the to my two. I think the, the, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to steal your points. No, you didn't. Uh, the, I think the, the first one is it's the, the abuse the church has shown, its yeah. inability to handle money over thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. Uh, I don't even name churches, but there are throughout history, the church has been very, very bad at raising or uh, stewarding. stewarding money. Yeah. And I think that goes to if, if it were me taking out of my wallet, taking the money and handing it directly to Jesus, I don't think anyone would have a problem with that. Or I think it'd be less likely to have a problem with that. But the second I hand it to yeah, another human, middle, it, yeah. that's where the trust is hard. It's hard to have. And then, But the second half of it, or my second point would be, I don't think we're always willing to give up what I could also have spent that money on. Like, Ooh. whether it be the, the flesh, whether it be... I could pay know, off debt. I could pay off debt. I could, you know, put money towards my kids' college. I could, uh, I don't know. I, or even you know, I need smaller, a new car. Like if you needed to buy something cheaper, but that's all you have. One soda a day at Casey's, you know, there's... I don't know. I, and so I think well, we're not ready. I don't think we're always ready to give up what that would, what that surrender would mean. I, Good. to add on top of that, I, you know, this is something I've, I, again, David Platt, radical, like this has just been speaking in my life, but it's like this savings. Okay. Do I think saving money and being, making wise decisions and steering well is a good idea? I do. At what point is it ridiculous? <laughs> 
I need because, $4 million well, to and, survive. And here's the thing, too. It, it's like, um, first, like, <clears throat> it's not even just this idea of, like, well, I can't take it when I go. No, I can, but I can give it to my kids. So there's still this thing of, like, no, I, you know. There's biblical precedence for that, too. I think yeah. it's the daily dependence upon God. Yeah. Like, I think it comes back to manna in the desert where it's, like, I think there is wisdom, and if God has blessed you to be able to do that and to make wise, like, no, that is that is wise, and that is a good steward of your finances, but not to the extreme where you hoard it so much that you can't depend upon God yeah. anymore, yeah. where your own bank you're account, your own, yes, where your own savings your number own is, yeah. is more important than the God who provides to you daily. Yeah. You so, know? well, and it's, it's interesting. Okay, so let's think about that for a second. And again, the message itself was not about tithing, but I think, is tithing generous? I think uh, I feel like tithing's obligatory. I don't think it's generous either. I think it's an obedience. I think alms and offerings. I think yes. that what you do beyond your alms and your offerings and your tithe is generous. And most people, well, I give to the church. Look at how generous I am. Oh no, you're doing what the Lord already told you to do. <laughs> That's a command. And okay, so when you go into Second Corinthians, this is the text we actually. This was our text. When Paul says a cheerful giver. I remember, you need, if you can't give where you're smiling and, ha ha, look at what I'm doing, don't give it all. That's not what Paul is saying. He's actually, the, the, the command that Paul is giving here is actually a much harder one than tithing, which is God wants all of it. And he's entrusted you with the 90%. He'll 10%. give you 90% back. Yeah, but then on top of that is that word, the word cheerful there, hilarion, the bigger part of when you think of it, have you ever laughed to the point where you can't control yourself? Absolutely. Like you, you get the giggles I'm and you mom. can't stop. I've peed my pants laughing. Before. Okay, so that's the giggles, right? The idea <laughs> of giving it's cheerful is I such see. a wrong understanding of the word because what it makes it sound like is if I'm not happy doing it. Yes. No, the idea is that I'm so overwhelmed with the generosity of God that I literally am out of control in my giving, which is when He says, "Have decided in your heart." Well, again, we associate heart with emotions, but heart isn't about emotions. Heart is the seat of decision making in yeah. the Greek ro- Greek world. And so if Jesus is the center of my heart and Jesus is generously lavished on me, my tithe just goes to the Lord out of, out of not ob- obligation, obedience, two yeah. different things. Obligation I do bitterly, mm-hmm. obedience I do joyfully, um, hopefully. <laughs> Depending on what your connotation and denotation of that word yes, is. Yes, but that's the intention yeah. is we're supposed to be joyfully obedient. Yeah. That's, that's the biblical. The understanding yeah. in the Bible is that every time we obey, it should always come from a place of joy. Yeah. Because the Lord trusts, the Lord has, uh, Lord will protect us and guide to, us. It's not a have to, it's a gets to. That's right. That's right. Whereas obligation is I have to. Have to. That's right. So, um, but I wonder what part of the problem is, because, and I'll use the I'll use the illustration of Jeff Bezos' wife, who I apologize, I don't know her name. Um, or I'll use Jeff Bezos. Okay. A billionaire. If he gives a million dollars a year, is that generous? Didn't cost him anything. He's not even, that's not even a drop. That's, he, he probably made a million dollars one day. Actually, more than that, technically, because he's made, he made 90 billion or whatever it was last year. Generosity comes from sacrifice. And this is why I think encounter with Jesus is so important. Uh, I'll Jesus, just, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, Jesus even like uh, addresses that when he's saying, like, it's easy when you have things to love yes. the people that are kind to you. Yes. It is hard when you have nothing to be kind to someone who is mean to mm-hmm. you. And that's what I'm calling you to do. But the, the reverse argument could go as well, where it's like, if I love money so much, me giving up a hundred billion dollars might be a sacrifice, yeah, even though yeah. even though my lifestyle it won't affect my yeah, lifestyle at all, heart. but it might affect my heart. Where yeah. it's like, oh, I'm giving up half my wealth. 
No. Holy cow. And that's, like, you know, and so that, that could, that and could that's be. a discipleship issue. Cause here's what I love. That's what I love about that statement, Derek, is if they're new, let's say they become a Christian and for them to go, I need to give half my wealth away because I'm, I'm worshiping wealth. Mm. Like they're going to feel that. But if they're healthy disciples, this is why I'm so impressed with guys like Rick Warren and just the legacy. Rick Warren wrote the number one best-selling book of all time next to the Bible, Purpose Driven Church or Life, sorry. Mm -hmm. He is he made more money off that book. So the first thing he did is he paid back his church for his entire salary over the 20, 30 years, whatever he had been a pastor, paid the church back. And then he gave away like 98% of it, put it into other things. He's like, I don't need 98%. But here's the thing. He understands his his discipleship is Jesus. And so for him, there was no pain in that. But for this is the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, the pain was too much. And that's how we discover what our God is. I think of a story, and I, I remember sharing this with a group of guys. When I was at my first church, I was talking to my pastor about how much I like fishing. And I had met this guy who liked fishing. And and I was like, hey, I was thinking about asking this guy if we can go fishing. He goes, well, he doesn't have a boat anymore. I'm like, what? I thought he loved fishing. He goes, well, a few years ago, his wife was going to leave him because he fished all the time. And he came to counseling, and, and he started working through it. And he said, okay, here's the deal. You have a choice. You can either have your boat or your wife. So the guy sold his boat. And he realized at the end of the day, the boat wasn't worth it because his wife was way more important. So I'm sharing this with a group of guys. And one of the guys goes, well, that seems rather extreme. Couldn't he just put it in storage and only took it out and put up better boundaries? And I was like, isn't that how we handle yeah. pain? Yeah, yeah, Well, yeah, but there's a there's got to be a better way to do that. That and seems I think too extreme. That's too extreme, right? And Dad Jesus is super extreme. Yeah, he's so radical. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So let me, uh, and, and we're coming to the close of our time here. Um, do you have times in your life, can you think of times where, because you stepped out in faith, and maybe it was a tithe, but maybe in generosity, where you saw, you encountered the Lord because of your gener because of a faithfulness in which God said, "Hey, because you were faithful with this little thing, I'm going to be, I'm going to give you more." And I think people need to hear those things. And I, this is not meant to be a braggy time, but I think people want to hear, "Man, how has God been faithful?" Because we talk about it, but I think stories are what make it real. So, is there a time in your life where you were generous, where you were faithful, and you got to an encounter God, or were blessed in a way that wouldn't have happened had you not done that? Oh, well, I was just going to share one from uh, when I was um, probably 20. And so just last year. <laughs> I, For those of you who don't know, I was a teen mom. So I had, you know, a three and a half, four-year-old. And I was engaged, planning a wedding. So that's my stage of life. I had just started a new, a new job. It was a good job. Um, and somebody that I worked with needed money so that they sh so that she didn't lose her house. Like it was to the point of foreclosure. Mm. And... Um, I, so I gave her, she needed $2,000, so I gave her $2,000. Here's the thing. That was literally, I love childlike faith because now I would actually probably question $2,000. Like, mm, should I really give $2,000? <laughs> but then, even in the midst of having a, like, having a kid that I was, I was a single mom, having a kid, being engaged, like, not really having where you could, like, it was a sacrifice. It wasn't given out of a place of, like, abundance, right? Yeah. And I... For me, I don't think that I necessarily encountered the Lord, Lord in it. Like, I forget all the time. Like, it's just funny that this is, I think, the Lord placed it upon my heart. I forget all the time that I did it. Okay? Not a big deal. Other coworkers 
would comment years later mm. about that. And so while I'm not sure that, like, for me, I just was doing what I, I was just doing a, a loving, a, like, a thing, you know? But I think for them, they may have had an encounter with the Lord yeah. through that. So I, I actually, I, I think what you're saying, and I think this is sometimes what's helpful for us, because you actually did experience a blessing. It just didn't come the way we expected. Yeah. We thought the blessing would come. Well, I got two. I got 10,000. I gave 2,000. Lord gave me 10,000. But it's like it kept coming back, too, because, like, years later, they'd be like, well, did she ever pay back? No. Like, you guys are missing the so point, you actually, you, know? you actually did receive something. It yes. just wasn't a yes. monetary. Yeah. So, and I, I think that's part of the thing is that goes back for the tit for tat. If I did this, Lord, I expect yeah. this. And what if God is reshaping our vision of going, what if blessing came in a different way? Who is that song, Laura's Story? What if blessings came in teardrops? Uh, and it's talking about how the blessings come in the ways we don't expect. Yeah. So I love that. That's awesome. How, anybody else? Yeah, I would think that um, immediately I thought about the, the fact that I'm even sitting here as a children's director um, for Zion is because I took a leap of faith and was sacrificial with my time. And I was a single mom working at a bank and I had worked hard. I'd been there four years and I had went from a part-time teller to a personal banker. I made the best money I'd ever made in my life. <laughs> and I took a huge pay cut to take a part-time kids ministry job. I was a full-time student. I was serving already. I was volunteering in a lot of places and a single mom. I had to move. I couldn't keep my apartment. I had to get a smaller apartment. And it was really hard. I'm like I broke off a relationship, a huge a long-term relationship that um it was just like all these acts of obedience and it was just like is it ever going to stop? Is it ever going to get better? You know, just like sticking it out, but at the time I didn't even, like, question it. It was like, obviously, this is what I need to do. Here's the next obedient step. And you guys, I've been so incredibly blessed. A hundred uncountable amount of times, people buying my groceries, um, people giving me money for Christmas, like, um, people letting me use their truck to help move, like, people, like, all these things throughout even people around me. But I, and I, I faithfully still tithed even though I took this huge pay cut, I still tithe. I never have to worry about money. I've never missed a rent payment. I've never missed a mortgage payment. And now I get to have a mortgage, you guys. Like, millennial 30-year-old. Like, it's hard. It's a hard market out there, you guys. And I, I bought a house. I'm married. Yeah. I have an excellent job where I get to do, I, I, I joke, I'm like, I do it for free. Zion's the crazy one. And I get to, <laughs> I get to make a, a mortgage payment. That's because of that. All of that really hard obedience. So something you said, yeah. you shared with me, and I, if I'm not a turn, I'll have John edit this. Do it. Well, you had said that you started doing a, a, a gratefulness. Yeah, a gratitude a journal, gratitude. but specifically for my job. So yeah. part of burnout um, that it's, it's a, we were talking about it in your sermon. It's a lot about your mindset. And to shift that mindset, I knew I needed to, every time I got to work, write three things about my job specifically that I was grateful for. Every single day. And then no repeats. Because ministry is still a job. Because ministry is still a job. <laughs> it is. And it gets hard. And it's a hard job. It's yeah, a hard job. It's a very hard job at times. And yeah, so I absolutely did. And it, it just, it does. It, and I have to be grateful. The, the gratitude goes to God. Yeah. Like, yeah. wow, I can't believe you put me here. 
It's not because I want to have a good attitude, which I'm sure Derek does want me to have a good attitude. <laughs> Gratitude, great attitude. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> it's more for bringing glory to God yeah. and, and understanding where I actually am at. That's good, yeah. Uh, so mine actually is very similar to yours. Uh, and I don't know if it's out of obedience or just out of my laid backness in this area. I don't know. But uh, when I felt like God was telling me to go to seminary, I had a thousand dollars to my name. <laughs> I was sitting in in seminary. I drove up to Minneapolis, like I was sitting in seminary, and I get an email from their financial people. They're like, "Hey, you haven't paid yet." And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "Yep, I don't have a way to pay." <laughs> like I legit didn't have a way to pay. I was like, well, "I'm gonna have to call my stepdad. I'm gonna have to get loans ready to go." Like I previously asked him, and he didn't say no. So I took it as a yes, but <laughs> I didn't have a way to pay for it. And that's that, that same night, I got a phone call from the board president uh, saying that they were going to help me get through college, oh. seminary. And I didn't know that was coming. And, and then I got a, I got a, a letter from somebody in the congregation offering to pay for all my books. Again, I didn't tell anyone, like I, wow. it wasn't like I was, I wasn't advertised. I didn't send out letters. Mm. It was just multiple times throughout my entire time. Like that was happening. And it was just a, God told me to, and I went and I didn't, I don't know. And it was, and I, I talked about this before, but it's, it's one of those things like, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I didn't, when, so when God, I prayed at the beginning of the summer, I said, God, if you want me to go, then help me figure out how to get there. And then when it when it did finally happen, I was shocked. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Why was I shocked that God delivered? Like I'm for the thing that I that. asked for. And so I don't know. That that so was provide for the thing that He's asking you to do. do yeah. Right? And so to yeah. me, that was why wouldn't He provide yeah. that? That might be one of my biggest God moments, just because of my lack of faith in the thing that I was asking for on the thing God was yeah. telling me That's to like do. That's like that mustard-sized faith. Like you, that mustard seed. You had enough faith to ask for it. But not enough faith to like expect it. And enough faith to do it, but not enough faith to yeah. think it would. Yeah, I don't know. Cool. Even like looking that. back on it, I'm like, what were you like? Why did you even go up there? Like you. Just, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Weird moment. Cool. There's, I, I think there's the more that we can celebrate those things, I think it's helpful because these things do happen way more than we realize because most people don't share their stories when God has has done those, uh, done the miracle or are blessed in ways. Um, and I don't know if I've shared this in here before. So the year before our church closed in San Jose, I was making $40,000 less than a livable wage in San Jose. Just so you know, $115,000 is poverty line. They actually just released a study that shows in order to rent a two-bedroom house, you have to make $56 an hour, a two-bedroom apartment, $56 an hour. So anyways, um, and, and I don't want to get into all the shame, but essentially I was told not to tithe. The, the elders said, hey, if you're being irresponsible by tithing. You need to stop tithing. A year later, the church closed. And I knew I was supposed to tithe. I knew, and we were giving above and beyond that because, again, I don't believe tithing is generous. It was a trust issue. Church closed. Well, we moved to Phoenix and lived with Lisa's dad, which I talked a little bit about in the message. And one of the first things Lisa and I both realized is that we had not been trusting the Lord. And so we started tithing on my severance without an actual job, and it was a step severance. And then I remember our church, uh, Gateway, the church I talked about, they did a miracle offering. And they said, hey, we're going to ask you. We don't have anything in mind. We're not looking to build anything. Just an opportunity to trust the Lord. Pray about a number and just give whatever it is. We're not asking for anything specific. Just as an opportunity for you to seek the Lord. And there was a part of me that in shame, I almost wanted to give my entire severance as if a way to earn back God's trust and saying, I'm sorry I didn't listen. I'm sorry I didn't obey. 
And I, I'm, I realized very quickly that that was shame speaking, not the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so Lisa and I started tithing and we talked about it and we both agreed to do a certain amount of money. Again, no job. I kid you not, a year a year later, we were about ready to hit zero in our bank account was the day I got my first paycheck at Zion. And we tithed consistently. We gave above and beyond. I've told the story that Lisa and I have a rule that if the Lord, we feel like the Lord tells us to buy somebody's groceries, we do it. We still did that. God provided every step of the way, including getting me to my friend's place when his son was tragically killed. Like, And I look at, and, and this is what I, I, the, I think the positive side about those, the, the men and women and children who were following Jesus, some of them just had an experience, right? But I think the more grateful you are or those who are closest who put themselves in the path, the disciples had an encounter because they were willing to step out. Yeah. And I wonder if with the encounter for generosity, if we want to encounter God with generosity, we have to put ourselves out there on things where God asks us to respond generously. And it's not like we can't ask. Like the disciples themselves are like, how are we supposed to feed all these people, Jesus? Yeah. And they weren't saying they weren't willing. willing. Nope. Yeah. They just, and then in fact, they still had to give something up. It wasn't like the. I was the like, okay, send me to seminary, God. So like, you know, you're it's, not, not willing. I think it's Godspell does this really lame thing where it because they oh, don't. Oh, it's be, a musical because for all they, those that don't know. They don't believe in a, in the actual miracles, and the miracle was is that when they did this, a boy came up and said, "Jesus, here's loaves and fishes." <laughs> I said, "Fishes, <laughs> here's loaves and fish." And everybody was so moved that everybody started giving their own loaves and fish. And that's how the miracle happened. And what they did is they took the miraculous of a God who provided it. And now it's altruism. It's philanthropy. Mm -hmm. You gave two, I'll give two, too. It's gas powered. It is. And no, that's a way to bring that back. Instead of, instead of Holy Spirit powered, it's gas powered. And I think, I think this is the challenge if I was going to walk away. And, and hopefully I'll remember this for the sermon. But. If we want to ex have an encounter with the Lord that leads to generosity, we have to be willing to step out into areas where God tells us to be generous that are uncomfortable. And and you have to put yourself in the way. If you want to have an encounter, you've got to become unsafe a little bit. That's the unpredictable. It's the unsafe. And I think that goes back to when I asked the question of why some people don't, what they're afraid of with generosity is it is unsafe. It feels unpredictable. I can't control it. Um, so... This has been a great conversation. I'm, I'm okay. I don't know if I'm going to do this, but I'm almost feeling like I need to do a part two on this next week, but specifically talking about what does tithing look like in this. And I, and I didn't have this in my notes. I don't know if I'm going to or not, but I do think we confuse tithing and generosity. And that text is specifically not talking about tithing. It's talking about we hand everything over to the Lord. It's a result of experiencing and encountering the generous nature of God. We can't help but be generous. I don't know. Pray about it. Think about it. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. Derek. Jennifer. I hope you have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.